pray that you do. Would you please open up to the book of James, chapter 3. And before we begin, let's, uh, let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I have a question to ask you. How many of you have ever prayed for wisdom? Raise your hand. Well, you're in good company. David said, uh, uh, teach us to number our days uh, aright, that we might gain a heart of wisdom. And I was thinking of Solomon in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, where it says, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people, to be able to distinguish between right and wrong for who can govern this great people of yours. I was thinking about in Solomon in Proverbs, where he says there's a personification of, of wisdom, where it says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently, he's talking about wisdom, Find me. Think about even in James, where it says in James 1.5, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously without finding fault. And also think of like in the Old Testament, where you have uh, a serious situation where you have Jehoshaphat, who's being attacked. It's in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And it says, been attacked by the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Mennonites. And he doesn't know what to do. So basically, if you think about where Israel, he, he's... He's being attacked by all sides. And so he goes, it says, before Solomon's temple. Then he, he asks for prayer, and he prays, and he fasts. And in, in chapter um, 20, verse 12, it says, he says, he says, I don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I don't know what to do. And many of us have been in that same situation where we don't know what to do, but we look to God for help. And, and the Bible gives promises and it says in James that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. So today we're going to talk about two different types of wisdom. We're going to talk about earthly wisdom, and we're going to talk about heavenly wisdom. Knowledge in this world is increasing at an incredible rate. There is something called the, the knowledge doubling curve. Until 1900, knowledge was doubling about every century. By the end of World War II, knowledge was doubling about every 25 years. In today's world, things are not as simple and as different types of knowledge have different rates of growth. Nanotechnology knowledge is doubling about every two years. Clinical knowledge is doubling about every 18 months. And IBM said the internet is doubling about every 12 hours. As I move through this journey called life, it seems that I am continually faced with how to address new questions and different ways of thinking. I decided to Google the word knowledge, and I came up with 3,280,000,000 results. I, I Googled the word wisdom, I was just curious, I came up with 447 million hits. The book of Proverbs uses the word wisdom 55 times. And the book of James talks about two types of wisdom. 
In chapter 3 this morning, I'd like to focus on the characteristics of these two types of wisdom, earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. Verse 13 shows us how to do good works. Verses 14 through 16 show us about the character of earthly wisdom. And verses 17 and 18 show us about the character of heavenly wisdom. And I'd like to spend most of my time talking about these characteristics, these attributes of heavenly wisdom. Because remember, James is a book that is a practical book, right? And it's a, a book where we can apply these truths to our lives. Verse 13, it reads, Who is wise and understanding among you, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness and wisdom. <clears throat> now, if you remember, in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, for you will be judged with greater strictness. And that always helps me when I'm preparing for Sunday school and for sermons to make sure that I spend much time in prayer, much time in studying, to make sure that whatever I preach or whatever I teach is hopefully um, under God's grace right because I know that I'll be judged with greater strictness because I'm sharing these words. So verse 1, or chapter 3, verse 1, James speaks about those who wanted to become teachers and about right speaking. And here in verse 13, James talks about the wisdom of right living. Those who are wise will demonstrate their wisdom by godly conduct. Jesus says, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Remember? And I would like to add that the way in which we conduct our lives is evidence which confirms our speech. James says, who is wise and understanding among you? James answers that question. He says, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness and in wisdom. Now, it's interesting, the word in Greek is sophos. We get a word like sophisticated or wise. Was a technical term used among the Jews for a teacher, a scribe, a rabbi. Burdick says in this verse is not what they say that is that he that he is concerned with, but rather how they live. His works are done in meekness of wisdom. True wisdom is not conducted with, with pride in order to impress and bring attention to ourselves, God honors those who serve in humility. The Greek word for meekness is an interesting word. It means gentleness. It is not gentleness that comes from weakness, rather mildness of disposition or gentleness of spirit. There isn't really an English word that corresponds exactly to this Greek word here. The word meekness is a good attempt to try to translate the word. The word meekness, the word in Greek, um, doesn't mean cowardness, cowardice or weakness. The word is used in Galatians 5.23 as one of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. The ancient Greeks would describe this word this way. It has a soothing quality, having a humble and kind demeanor with a calming attitude. It describes the ability to discuss things without losing their temper. It describes a character in which strength and gentleness are perfectly combined. Like a horse, obedient to reins, or a watchdog, friendly to the family owning him. 
It's like this. It's like strength under control. Great strength is present, but it's tempered by a gentle spirit. Think about Jesus before the trial of the Sanhedrin. I mean, he could have called 12 legions of angels. Or Moses before Pharaoh. James in 123 says that we are to receive the word of God with meekness. We must approach the, our brethren in error with a spirit of gentleness, it says in Galatians 6.1. Jesus actually uses this word too in Matthew 11.28. For it says, For I am gentle and humble in heart. It is like a gentle master. True wisdom is not merely head knowledge. Real wisdom and understanding will be demonstrated in our lives by good conduct. Now let's talk about earthly wisdom. It says here in verses 14 through 16, But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom not, does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and selfish self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Bitter envy and self-seeking are the opposite of what we talked about in the verse before. This word for meekness used in James 3.13. This type of earthly wisdom draws out the idea of being critical, contentious, belligerent. Should one take type, should, should one take pride in this type of wisdom? It would be foolishness. This type of harshness and pride is not a kind of wisdom that will promote positive and lasting results for the kingdom of Christ. It is not honoring to our Lord. It causes division and strife. Earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom is not even really wisdom at all. It's really foolishness in my thinking. It's idiocy. This type of wisdom is not from God. It's from the devil. It is wisdom that destroys relationships and builds barriers. Dan Clark defines earthly wisdom as having this life only in view, not eternity. The end result of this type of wisdom that it's talking about here brings about confusion and every evil thing. So in my thinking, this is not even true wisdom. But now we talk about heavenly wisdom. And this is what I want to spend most of my time with, because I think this is important. This is what we can apply practically to our lives. It says, But the wisdom that's from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So as we look at this section in James, I really want us to concentrate on this part. Wisdom from above was a rabbinical way of referring to God. You can see that phrase illustrated in James 1.17, when it says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. This is celestial wisdom from God. Proverbs uh, comments on the source of wisdom from above. For the Lord gives wisdom, 
and from the mouth comes knowledge and understanding. That's the kind of wisdom I want. I want wisdom from above. I want God's wisdom. Proverbs 8 describes wisdom in a personified way. It describes, uh, it, it calls out to all who are discerning, it says. It's out on the street corners and it's calling out for wisdom. It says, like, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. You see that in Proverbs 8.17. The main teaching point is that true wisdom is known by its deeds, observed by its fruits. James is a book about putting your faith into action. James says, do not merely love, listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. That's James 1.22. James um, says in 1.27, this is pure and undefiled religion before God our Father. To, to what does it say? To take care of widows and orphans in their affliction and to, take, to keep oneself unstained from the world. So it is a book of action. It's also, um, he also says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. So again and again in the books of James, he's talking about putting your faith into action. Just as the fruit of a tree is evidence of the type of fruit so if I see go out in an orchard, I say, I don't know what kind of tree that is. But I know in the fall, if there's a pear tree on that, that's a that's pear fruit, it's a pear tree. If I see it's a peach out there, I know it's a peach tree. The fruit of heavenly wisdom is pure. So if you have a heavenly tree, right, it's, it should be pure. It should be peaceable. It should be gentle, willing to yield. That's what James is saying, merciful and full of goodness. It should be a tree without partiality. It should be a tree without hypocrisy. This is wisdom from above, wisdom from the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's wisdom consistent with the holiness and character of God. Now, before I go any further, I need to remind us about the promise of James, uh, James refers to earlier that we talked about um, in James 1.5. Remember that it says that if anyone lacks wisdom, that's a promise. If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And if the Bible says it will be given to him, then it will, and you believe that. Now, let's take a look at each of these characteristics. First, it says wisdom is pure. So if we're talking about a practical way of heavenly wisdom that James is saying that we should incorporate in our lives, then I really want to pay attention to this. Here's what it says. First of all, it's pure. It's the Greek word that's translated holy. It's clean in the sense that it's absent from a sinful attitude. It describes a motive that is sincere. It's without partiality. This wisdom is not tainted by impure desires, but genuine pursuit of fairness and righteousness. There is no selfish ambition. It's pure. That's important. We can remember that when we can ask God, God, help me to have pure motives. What does that mean? Well, that means I don't want to have a sinful attitude. I, wanted to have, I don't want to have an impure desire. I want to have something that's fair and righteous and not selfish. That's what it refers to. 
Heavenly wisdom first is next is peaceable. It does not cause friction and disharmony. To seek peace in relationships is, co- is a common theme in the book of the, in the Bible. In Ephesians 4.3 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Herbert says that about the heavenly wisdom of peace, it promotes right relationships between man and man and man and God. But it, does not, but it does not pursue peace at the expense of falling into impurity. It's not compromised with sin to maintain peace. But even when fighting against sin, it hungers for peace, yearns to heal all divisions by its wise counsel. True wisdom produces right relationships. It brings people closer together and also closer to God. Heavenly wisdom is also considerate, it says, or is translated gentle. The idea of the word would be to be sensitive to another's needs and patient with them. It would be free from harshness or sternness or violence. It means humble patience. Barclay says that the word refers to someone who knows when it when it is actually wrong to apply the strict letter of the law, such a person knows how to forgive when strict justice dictates that, that there is a perfect right to condemn, but there's, there's peace. You think about, in our sense, where, you know, we're, uh, before we were uh, sinners saved by grace, it says that, you know, we were um, in darkness, that we had evil desires, but God in his great mercy reached down to us. And there's sort of that humble sense. Such a person knows how to forgive when strict justice dictates that there's a perfect right to condemn. Such a person knows how to make allowances when, when not to stand upon individual rights and how to soften justice with mercy. And always remembers that there's a, there are greater things in the world than rules and regulations. In fact, this, this one guy I really like this, Matthew Arnold called this word sweet reasonableness. It's an ability to extend to others, it's ability to extend to others kind consideration we wish to receive uh, ourselves. Heavenly wisdom is also translated willing to yield or conciliatory, open to reason, not stubborn or obstinate. It's the opposite of stiff and unbending. This word is only used here in the New Testament. The person who has heavenly wisdom is reasonable and willing to defer to others and is open to adopt someone else's position when given sufficient reason without violating basic biblical doctrines or moral principles. I like this part right here. It says, in other words, a wise person recognizes the good sense of another's arguments without being distracted by personal bias. Godly wisdom includes one who is is reasonable and listens and respects the rights and opinions of others. True wisdom, it's not rigid. But it's willing to listen and skilled in knowing when to wisely yield. 
heavenly wisdom is also full of mercy, it says, and good fruits. Full applies to both, notice here, both mercy and good fruits. The word full is used also in James chapter 3. In verse 8 it says, but, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and full of deadly evil. Now this is a really interesting word here because in verse 17 it says that heavenly wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit. The word literally means full up. It's full to the utmost. It's like it's stopped. It refers to a quantity beyond what um, could or should be expected. So heavenly wisdom is characterized by an abundant measure of mercy and good fruit. According to James, the overall teaching point, heavenly wisdom is not just talk, it includes action. It demonstrates the reality of our claim of being merciful. James continues to highlight the genuine faith in God and godly wisdom from above is authenticated by good works and practical good deeds. Godly wisdom is not theoretical. It's not philosophical. Godly wisdom is practical. It's observable. It means to roll up your sleeves and to take action. We need to ask ourselves, does this type of wisdom describe our Christian life? Heavenly wisdom is full of mercy. Notice in, in Luke 6.36, it says, where Jesus says, be, but, <clears throat> be merciful just as your Father is merciful. I want you to really understand this. It's, it's a command. The word is written in the present imperative there. God has shown us mercy, and, and we are, are to extend that kind of mercy to others. This idea of mercy is to show kindness and compassion to others in need and to give help to relieve the miserable state that they may be in. Heavenly wisdom is full of good fruit. This wisdom is important. <clears throat> this wisdom is uh, without impartiality and sincere, it says. There is fairness and it's without hypocrisy. It only seeks wisdom, but God's, but God's glory. The heavenly, wise and the heavenly wise are peacemakers who sow in peace and raise a harvest of righteousness. This wisdom from, G from James is describing this is practical with an understanding of sincerity and righteousness. Earthly wisdom produces discord. And, dis and discord produ cannot produce heavenly fruit or conduct pleasing to God. Peace is the seed sown that yields a harvest of righteousness. A truly wise person is a man of peace. Jesus addressed this idea when he taught the Sermon on the Mount. He said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will call, be called the sons of God. When we reflect peace, we reflect the character of our Heavenly Father. In Romans 12, 18, it says, if it, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In this passage this morning, James presents two different types of wisdom. Heavenly wisdom, 
sown in peace will raise a harvest of righteousness. And earthly wisdom sown in envy and selfish ambition which raises a crop of discord and every evil practice. Isn't it interesting that the title of God, which is used in many benedictions, is a God of peace? In Hebrews 13.20, it says, May the God of peace. Romans 15.33 says, The God of peace will be with you. And Romans 16.20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. In 2 Thessalonians 3.16, it says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace in all times and in every way. I will end with a verse in Proverbs, chapter, 20, verse, chapter 12, verse 20. It says, There is deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil, but joy for those who promote peace. What are the heavenly seeds of wisdom that are sown to harvest a field of righteousness? The seeds of heavenly wisdom are attitudes with pure motives and a sincere heart, a peaceful disposition which builds positive relationships and draws people closer together. There are heavenly seeds of wisdom which display a gentle and patient spirit which extend kind consideration of sweet reasonableness. It listens well and respectfully, considers the rights and opinions of others, and overflowing with mercy. Heavenly wisdom is not theoretical or philosophical. Rather, it is a practice, is practical and observable. They, are, they, will, <clears throat> they will know we are Christians by our love. And people will see heavenly wisdom by the words, by our words and action. James is practical. It is a book of application. Reflect on what the, the scripture says. May you ask the Holy Spirit for divine insight to apply heavenly wisdom in our life in order to promote God's work in this world. Let's take a moment in this in silent prayer to ask God about how you might apply these truths to our lives. The words that we've talked about says the wisdom that comes from heaven it's pure. It's peace-loving. It's considerate. It's submissive. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. And I would challenge you to follow through on what the Holy Spirit has put upon your heart 
And what I would do, I would, I would review this when you go home, and I would think about it, and I'd pray. And I would say, God, it says in your word, it says if anyone wishes to have wisdom that you can ask of him and that he'll give it to you. And you say, God, help me to be a more loving person. Lord, help me to have purity in my life and help me to not only share the word, but share it in practical ways in my own life. Lord, help me to be peaceful. Show me what that really means. Show me what it means to, you know, to be good and show, be impartial and be sincere and help me to be a more peaceful person. That's my prayer. Amen.